Um, let me ask you a couple of questions. What would church be like if it was about attracting God instead of attracting people? What would church be like if we f centered our focus on him being here than people being here? Because the emphasis is sometimes put on the seats, and the seats can become an idol. Where we lose the focus of where it's supposed to be. On him. One of the one of the things I've discovered the, that the enemy is so good at is distractions. He loves to distract us. He loves to put these these squirrel moments in our life where you're you're chasing this and you're over here and you move over here and and you start focusing on this, but then you get distracted over here. The enemy is a pro at this. He he loves to distract us. And what God is doing is he's like, hey, 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 hey. Have you ever, have you ever um, FaceTime with a 12-year-old? Man, it would make you nauseous, man. I mean, the phone is everywhere. It's like, shoo, shoo, shoo. It's shooting all around. And look at this and look at this and look at this over here. And I was, I was listening to a dad talk about this recently. And he said, and my daughter finally turned the phone toward me. And I said, there you are. Do you think sometimes that's the way God is? That he's like... Hey, hey, oh, hey, hey. And then turns the phone toward us and he goes, there you are. Yeah, come on. <laughs> oh, Jesus, Jesus, Jesus. I turn my iPad. How do you turn this thing back on? There you go. So turn over to the book of John. Would you, John chapter 15. So what if we built communities inside the church centered basically and solely on the presence of God. Yeah. What if we did that? What if we, what if Jesus became the center of every single thing that we did as a church? So, so then there's no, <laughs> let me tell you, there's no church without Jesus. There is no church without the presence of Jesus in our lives. If we don't have his presence, we don't have church. I mean, what's the point to this thing? And you guys have come here many times. We don't have it up, but we normally have a picture of Jesus right here, right in the middle. We don't do that because it's cool. Because I realize right now, some things about Jesus are kind of hip. How many of you guys went through the 60s, went through the 70s, went through the... 80s. Remember the parachute pants? So whoosh, 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 going down. Chris, do you still have a pair of parachute pants? Because I know you got some shoes from the 80s. Okay. Because I could see Chris still having a pair. He's, he's just that kind of guy where he's got memorabilia, you know. He wore these pair of bands that he had. Where are they from? What year? 1989. 1989. Yeah. Got the bands. But, you know, things are, things are hip, right? And they come back around. Everything circles back around. But one thing remains the same. All through history, from the beginning to we are today, Jesus has been the same. He said, I am the same. In Hebrews chapter 13, he said, I am the same yesterday, today, and I'll be the same tomorrow. Be the same forever. So, 
<clears throat> there's no church without his presence. And we're alive for one reason, to fellowship with him. Amen. To fellowship with him. I want to say, I want to make a statement. This was one of, one of the people that were preaching. I think it was Jessica Kulianos said this. And I wanted to read the statement to you that she said because it was just so powerful. She said, if you are not satisfied with Jesus, only you, I'm sorry, if you are not satisfied with Jesus, only you, I wrote this down wrong. Can, let me read it. Hold on. I had an extra word in there. Okay, now I can say it. If you are not satisfied with Jesus, you will always feel empty. You will always feel empty. John chapter 15. How many of you found John chapter 15? This is the holy word of God. One thing I, 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 I'm not a fan of with Bible apps is they don't say holy Bible on them, you know. So John chapter 15, look at verse 1. <clears throat> so I'm just going to read a little bit and man, we're just going to dig into this thing. It says in, in verse 1, it says, I am the true vine and my father is the vine dresser. Every branch in me that does not bear fruit, he takes away. And every branch that bears fruit, he prunes. Why? That it may bear more fruit. So who's the vine? Look at your neighbor, say you are. We're the vine. Who's the vine dresser? This is God, right? And so notice this. He says that every branch that does not bear fruit is thrown away, but every branch that does bear fruit is pruned. Uh, the Greek word for pruned is cleansed. You can also say cleansed, pruned. So interesting, the reward for bearing fruit, pruned. That's your reward. You get pruned. You get cleansed. This is no different in athletics. Today, there's going to be a lot of games played today, right, in the NFL. So even if you win a championship, what's that coach going to say to you? He's going to pull you in the, in the room, and he's going to say, okay, this bad pass, this could have cost us the game. This bad pass, these, this one could have cost us the championship. Why? What's he doing? He's pruning. He's pruning. This is what God does to our life. He prunes us, right? Yeah. Why? So that we can bear more fruit. What is God saying when he says that? When he does pruning, it's a compliment. It doesn't feel like a compliment, but it's a compliment. You know why it's a compliment? Because he sees more potential in there. He's like, oh, there's more in there. There's more in there. There's more in there. Wait a minute. We, there's more that I can pull out of that person, right? Zach, you got to show me how to keep this thing on. Okay. So the reward is more pruning, right? Because he wants more fruit. Let's look at verse three. It says, you are already clean because of the word which I spoke to you. Ephesians 5.26 talks about the washing of the water of the word. The washing of the water of the word, man, it cleanses you like nothing else can get you clean. Remember when Josh, Pastor Josh last week, he's my son-in-law, he talked about son in love. He talked about, you know, those uh, cleaners that can kill 99.9% .9 of bacteria. Man, this cleans 100%. Right. 
I mean, there is nothing that cleans as good as the word of God, man. It totally cleanses us, amen? And it's his word. What is it that cleanses us? It's his word. It's his word, the washing of the water of the word. So what do we have to do? We have to take the word of God and we have to put it in us. We have to read it, study it, and we have to let it read us to be washed by it. How are you washed by it? When you begin to believe the word, when you put the word in you to the extent that you begin to live it and you begin to breathe it and you begin to believe it, guess what? Man, you're clean. You are clean. So it goes on in verse four to say, he said, abide in me and I in you as the branch cannot bear fruit of itself unless it abides in the vine. Neither can you unless you abide in me. Let me tell you, on your own, you're not gonna make it. You cannot make it on your own. You need some things in your life because what's happened is that Jesus, how many of you have made Jesus the Lord of your life in here? Okay, yeah, come on. All right, so I got a room full of Christians, all right? If not, you'll have, some, you'll have an opportunity today. So when you've made Jesus the Lord of your life, right, what's happened is you have been grafted into the vine. Have you ever watched, you should go on YouTube and watch grafting and how they can take a branch and they can graft it into an existing vine. It's, it's, it's really interesting how that thing connects and so, why is that important? Because when you're grafted into the vine, the vine becomes your life source. It becomes what sustains you. There's something about that sap and those nutrients flowing into your vine. It's, it brings life and health. But you need some things in that. You need, it, what it does is it flows through the vine. So, it flows through the word of God. It flows through your life of prayer. And it flows through staying connected to other believers who are being fruitful. Bad corrupt, bad moral, or bad company corrupts good morals. Right? So, who are the people that you hang around? They're the people that you want to be like. You see something in that that you go, I want that. Man, glory to God. All right, verse five. Let's read verse five. It says, don't worry, they're just cheaters. All right, verse five. I am the vine and you are the branches. He who abides in me and I am him bears much fruit. For without me, you can do nothing. Verse six, if anyone does not abide in me, he is cast out as a branch and is withered and, and they gather them and throw them into the fire and they are burnt. If you abide in me and my words abide in you, you will ask whatever you desire and it shall be done for you. And there's a couple of things, I mean, there's, there's so much that stands out, but point out a couple of things. One is you can't do anything without him. You need him. We can't, we can't do what we need to do without him. Uh, see, Phil has nothing to bring you this morning, but God in Phil, he can bring you. If, you. if you draw on that anointing, then you'll receive what you're looking to receive. How is it one person can, can go to a meeting and they leave that meeting going, or I'm talking about like a conference, I'm talking about a meeting where God is, and they leave that meeting filled and another person leave empty. How is that possible? The hunger, the hunger level. 
Oh, come on, man. When you're hungry, that's not the time to go to the grocery store, is it? You know, when you get that urge that you just want that vegetable, chicken fried rice or whatever it is. And so you've, I've said that and you already have a place in mind. You're thinking the drive through, right? Because you're hungry, right? So when we go, when we're hungry and we come before his presence, there's a draw now. That hunger puts a draw on the anointing in that person. And guess what God can do? He can speak to you in spite of that person. Why? Because you, you have put a draw on the kingdom of heaven through them like the woman with the issue of blood. When she came and she touched Jesus' garment, she put a draw on heaven. And I want to be at the place, I want to get to the place where Jesus was where I can sense the draw that's coming out of me, that's coming through me, I mean, to people. Because Jesus said, someone touched me. His disciples are saying, Lord, everybody's touching you. He's in a crowd of people and everybody is trying to get to Jesus because they want to touch him. They want to feel something. Man, I was so at this conference that we were at. um, So uh, we flew home yesterday. But the day before, it was the night session. The night session was just, I mean, it was, man. I don't know how to, I don't even know how to describe it. But at the end, there was this guy, and you'll have to help me, uh, Zach, because his name was uh, Paul. He was a reverend, and he wore a collar. <clears throat> and he had been, he had, he had, had a, a very severe illness as a child. He was a crippled. And God healed him, completely healed him. Well, when he healed him, he's a Lutheran. Yeah, he's a Lutheran minister. And so when he got healed, he said, I'm going to, I want to have a healing night at the church once a week. And so he began to do these healing nights. Well, nobody came. Sounds like some prayer meetings I've been to. (laughs) Nobody came. And guess how long he did that? Six years every week. Six years. Nobody came for six years. Did you hear me? Six years. Then what happened? People started to come. People started to get healed because the presence of God was there because during those six years, you know what he did? He went through and he took anointing oil and he anointed all the pews, began to anoint all the seats. He began to pray over the seats. He began to anoint the room and pray over the room. And I mean, he began to get creative, but six years of consistent prayer, every revival that I have read about, it's been the consistency of prayer that has brought the revival. And it's always started with one person because revival starts in you. You can't ever look at a preacher and blame a preacher for their, no, they're just in revival going on at that church. Well, you were there. Jesus is revival and he's in you. <laughs> so, oh, I've turned up the volume today, man. I'm just so excited because I was, I was so touched. And so what's, and so anyway, sorry. So he has now prayed for over 40 million people. Did you hear me? Million people that have come that he's prayed for, laid hands on personally. And he told Michael, so there's, I don't know, 1,500, 2,000 of us. 
And he said, I want to anoint every person's hands with oil for a healing anointing. Michael goes, I don't know how we could do that. I mean, he said, do you realize how long that would take? And how long? And he goes, it's okay, get me a chair. Here's a guy, six years. So I, I get in the line because they say, we're going to do senior pastors first. I said, great, man. I, I run around. I get in the line, man. And they said, what we want you to do is come through the line and hold your hands out like this. And uh, I said, okay, awesome. Yeah. And so I'm just, man, I'm praying as we're in this line. And I walk up to the line, get to the front, and here he is. And, and I put my hands out like this. I got my eyes closed. And, and he anoints my hands, and then I feel this push, you know, hurry up, because we got more <laughs> behind you. <laughs> but you know what? That didn't take the anointing away, because, man, my expectation was high. I said, oh, I got to get some anointing, because I'm believing God for miracles, signs, and wonders. Come on, we're not doing church anymore the way that we've done church. Not anymore. Uh-uh. No, no, you came to a house of fire this morning. I'm telling you, because Jesus is here and he's going to minister to some people and you're going to get what you expect this morning. Amen. All right. So, but notice it said, you will ask whatever you desire in verse seven and it shall be done for you. Your prayer is answered when you abide in him and his word abides in you. What happens? Your heart begins to align with his desire. And when your heart aligns with his desire, man, prayers are going to get answered. Verse 8, it goes on to say, by this, my father is glorified that you bear much fruit. Much fruit is what glorifies God. He wants to see fruit, but we have to be in him for fruit to appear on the vine. How ridiculous would it be for me to detach a vine from, or, you know, a branch from the vine, set it on the fence over here and expect it to bear fruit. It's as ridiculous as not sowing any seed and expecting a harvest. Where's my harvest? Farmer can sit around on the front porch and say, I wish I had a, I wish I had a harvest all day long. What's he need to do? Put some seed in the ground. He has got to sow some seed. Amen. All right. So Jesus, he's our fruit. He changes everything. He's the one that will produce fruit. When you and I are abiding in the vine and we are grafted in and we're connected, we're abiding in that, guess what? Fruit is going to magically appear. It is. And you're not going to have to, you're not going to have to make it produce There's no toiling in that. Apple trees don't toil to produce apples. They're apple trees. But I think what we have is we have a lot of Christians going, oh, you know, I'm a Christian, so I I need to bear some good fruit. No, it's, it's the tree that produces the fruit. If the tree's good, guess what it'll do? It'll produce good fruit. So what's the issue? The issue's the tree we got to make the tree good. There's a transformation that happens when we make the decision 
to live full on for God. You know, I, I'm not advocating poker, but you have to do, you have to make this move. There's a slogan in poker that you say when you push everything in the middle, all that you have. And what is it you say? I'm all in. I am all, again, I'm not advocating poker, so don't hurt me or misquote me. But I'm just saying that it, there's a time in our life where we have to come back to this and we push everything to the middle and we push our ideas, our good Ideas that we have, you know, the good things that we want to do where we push everything to the middle and we stop and we say, God, I'm submitting everything to you. I only want to do what you want me to do. Man, I was, I was doing so many things when we lived in Louisville, Kentucky. I I mean, I was doing music. I was doing um, video production. Uh, we were doing an outreach every month into low-income housing projects. We were taking food, clothes, furniture, household items. Man, let me tell you, if you, wanna, if you want to stay busy in ministry, just go do something for the poor. Yeah. It's a, man, it's a bottomless pit. You'll, just, you, you'll, you'll be, you, there's plenty to do. You know, and I don't know if I said that right. <laughs> I, it's good. It's good, but... God needs to be the one leading us in directions. There's good, and then there's God. All right, does that make sense? Okay, so I, can I clean that up okay? I hope so. Um, so anyway, so I'm in Louisville, Kentucky, and we're doing all these things, and I'm just telling you, I've just felt like, God, we're doing a lot of things, and I, and. Why is it in the inside I'm not feeling like we're doing what exactly what you want us to do? And so I literally in our basement, <clears throat> I, got, I got alone with God and I just lifted my hands and I said, God, I don't want to do anything else until you tell me what you want me to do. I don't know why that thought had never come to me, but I had never just, just all in all out fully surrendered I'd surrendered my life, but not everything else. Not, you know, I mean, your life continues. And so surrender is a continual thing. It's not just a one and done, okay? Yeah, I've been there. Yeah, I had that experience in my life where I surrendered. And so I did. And when I surrendered my life to him, suddenly I I said, I don't know what it is that you want me to do, but all I know, and and I didn't, I said, I'm not going to do anything else. Until you, share, until you show me what it is you want me to do. And it, boy, it was quick. Whenever you ask Holy Spirit for something, he answers fast, doesn't he, Dan? <laughs> and he answered. <clears throat> and, and, and next thing I knew, three months later, we were traveling full-time with the ministry, the 99 on the road. I mean, just... And I had no idea that that was what he wanted us to do because I had my ideas but I, ha- I hadn't fully surrendered. Let me read something to you that Andrew Murray said about surrender. Wow. Okay. Turn over to Matthew 12 and then remind me that that's where I sent you. Would you? Let me read to you what Matt- Andrew Murray said while you're turning there. <clears throat> he said, one lack, one lack of absolute surrender is just the thing that hinders God. One lack of absolute surrender is just the thing that hinders God. I don't know about you. I don't want to hinder God. 
<clears throat> so Matthew chapter 12. Look at verse 33. This is going back and talking about the tree again. So it says this. It says, either make the tree good and its fruit good, or else make the tree bad and its fruit bad. A tree is known by its fruit. Now, don't confuse it. I'm not telling you to sit around on the couch and not do, any, do anything and you're going to bear fruit, okay? That's not what I'm saying. I'm saying that the Holy Spirit is going to lead you, that he is going to direct you and guide you, and you will bear more fruit because you're, in, you're abiding in him. You're connected to the vine. Does that make sense? <clears throat> okay. So a tree is known by its fruit. So fruit is visible. Good and bad fruit, it's, it's very visible, right? So how do you know that you're bearing good fruit? Make the tree good. How do you do that? You abide in him. This makes the tree good. A good tree cannot bear bad fruit. So if the fruit's not looking the way you want it to, it's time to look at the root. What's going on? with the root? Am I rooted in the wrong thing? Have I fully surrendered to him? Am I trying to make Jesus an addition to, like an app I put on my phone, or am I making him everything? Jesus is not a second anything. He's first. He's first. He's first. <clears throat> the tree is good the fruit is the proof that the tree is good and that you are his disciples amen so how do we abide in him we stay grafted in the vine see there were people in the bible that they began to abide in the vine and their lives changed think about esther <clears throat> man think about that well let, better yet let's think about mary magdalene mary magdalene that Jesus cast seven demons out of her and now she's abiding in the vine. Her life completely changed. Think about being free and never dealing with demons again. Why? Because her house was slept, swept clean and then it was filled up with him. Whew, she was the one that got to be at the grave when that, and she ran into those angels. <laughs> and then she got to see the Lord. She's the one, man. Think about Zacchaeus. What happened to Zacchaeus? He was climbed the tree, climbed that sycamore tree. We had eight sycamore trees on our property in Broken Arrow when I was growing up as a kid. So I love sycamore trees because they're tall. Man, I could climb. We lived almost in, we were in Wagner County. We were probably uh, 50 minutes from the city of faith. And I could climb to the first tree right outside my bedroom window all the way to the top. And I could see the city of faith being built. And that's how... That's how tall sycamore trees are. So Zacchaeus climbs up in this sycamore tree and he's waiting. He just wants to see Jesus. And Jesus says, Zacchaeus, come down out of that tree, man, because I'm going to eat at your house. And Zacchaeus is like, what? And what happened to Zacchaeus? It saved his entire household. He repented, gave his life to the Lord. It totally changed his life. Yesterday, when we were flying back, we flew from Orlando to Austin, and then we flew from Austin into Tulsa. So that was the direction we were coming up. So we flew, as we were coming in to land, we flew over Jinx, which is where my son in love and my daughter in love live. My daughter, my loved daughter, live. And so 
So I could see, I was kind of looking for their apartment and I saw Jinx and saw, you know, the bridge going across. And then my eyes went over and I saw the city of, what used to be the city of faith, Metroplex Tower now. And I saw Old Roberts University. And I thought about a man who had a disease that he was probably going to die from, who God healed and changed the fruit of his life. And now there's Oral Roberts University because of him. And then I think about another man because across the street from Oral Roberts University is Victory Church, the church where I grew up, where I got to go to Christian school there and got to went to Bible college, served on staff there on pastoral staff. And, and I think about Billy Joe Doherty because Billy Joe Doherty gave up a full ride scholarship to play quarterback for the University of Louisville to, because God had put it in his heart to go to Oral Roberts University. <laughs> no scholarship. His brother is a CPA. He shows him on paper why this is not going to work. He goes to ORU. Within a short amount of time, God blesses him with a full-ride scholarship at Oral Roberts University. He graduates from ORU, little knowing that years later he would purchase the, the very land that Oral Roberts, that ORU owned across the street and build a debt-free campus across the street. And the fruit that was from his life impacted the very man that you're seeing right now standing before you. It's because of his obedience and because of the fruit in his life. See, people don't understand. When people get divorced, they don't understand what that does and how many people that's going to affect. They haven't really thought it through. All they're thinking is, I'm hurting, you're hurting. We don't like each other. And, and they think it only affects us two. But it affects every. It, it's far-reaching. See, the decisions that we make, think about, think of the, uh, what's that movie? Um, One Life Affects Many, but that's not the name of the movie. The, um, it's a Wonderful Life. Oh, my word. We did a Christmas production called One Life Affects Many from the movie, but anyway, years, many years ago. But that movie shows the decision of one person and how it affects. See, God wants to change the fruit in our lives. And he can. He still can. It's not over. And so, I, I mean, this whole, oh, this whole oh, conference just smacked me in the head with a two by four. It just literally did. I just, it just brought me back. And <clears throat> changed my due north again. Brought me back to due north. And when I say that, and how I mean that is, um, that my focus had come off of the most important thing. Uh, when we were there at the conference, there was a guy by the name of Tommy Reed there. He's a 90-year-old uh, minister of the gospel. He used to pastor one of the largest church, the largest church of the Assemblies of God. And I'm sure my father-in-law would know him if I mentioned his name to him. And, <clears throat> but 
Tommy's talked about, they did a panel discussion with him and he talked about how he was invited to Oral Roberts' uh, office because they were, they were friends, they had met and uh, they're on ORU campus. And he said when he went in his office, it was a corner office with the large windows that overlooked the campus. And then on this side, he said where his desk was, behind his desk there was a painting on the wall. He said, and Oral put his arm around me and he wanted to show me this painting. He brought me over to this painting. He said, I want you to look at this painting. And this painting had a picture of three disciples and Jesus on a boat. And in the picture, two of the disciples have the net and they're trying to pull the net of fish into the boat. And then there's the one disciple, John, is not looking at the fish and not helping with the net. He's looking at Jesus. And he said, this is what this painting does for me, is it keeps my focus where it's supposed to be, which is on him. To never focus on the fish that we're catching, but to focus on him. See, I feel personally that empowering people to live unto Jesus and vision for life for this church is to connect people to him. Not to me. Because there's no legacy in me. There's only legacy in him. And, man, you know, when you see... Now, now some people treat ministers like celebrities, and it's, it's not right. It shouldn't be going on. We're, we're supposed to be set apart. We're not supposed to be operating like that. But sometimes it's because we're performing instead of, we're about performance instead of presence. As a pastor. Because I'm, if I'm just trying to get you to look at me, I got you looking at the wrong place. We should be looking at him. And it just convicted my heart. And <clears throat> many of you don't know, but we had, we had a, a team lunch at our house this last, this last Sunday. And, and everybody that volunteers in any area in the church came and, and you know, we just fed everybody and just wanted to share <clears throat> things. And I worked all week on this thing called core values. And I got... I, I, I literally, I was sharing with my family last night, because you guys, do you mind if I get a little vulnerable with you? Because, <clears throat> you know, when, you're, when you pastor, a lot of friends are well-meaning friends, and, you know, they, want, they just want to help you. And, but it's my fault if I don't double-check it with him. With him. Yep. You know, because sometimes... They're good ideas, but they're not God ideas. There's nothing wrong with the ideas. But if, if God's not leading you to do that, you may want to recheck it. Isn't it a good idea? Don't you think? Yeah. You know, because I'm sure none of, I'm, you know, I'm, I'm the one that's made decisions that were like, huh. And I, I don't like swallowing pride any more than the next guy. And... But after these last three days, I just said, God, 
I need to repent for creating core values when the word of God is our core value. When I try to make that the goal and the track to run on instead of you and your presence. So, I humbly apologize. And I'm so excited about running with Jesus and watching his presence fill this room. And I want you to know it's no longer about metrics for me. Can I share this with you? It's so good. One of the guys... My phone's almost dead. It's all right. I think I can. Because we're we're way into leadership and influence and all that. And anyway, Michael Miller from Upper Room, he put this graph up on up on the uh, projector and or on the screen. And it said this, it's the difference between Jesus' leadership and people's leader, man's leadership. Jesus' leadership, presence, man's leadership, it's about people. Jesus' leadership, it's love for him first. Man's leadership, it's love for him second. Jesus' leadership is about praise and worship. Man's leadership is about preaching and teaching Jesus' leadership is about presence. Man's leadership is about presentation. Jesus' leadership is immeasurable. Man's leadership is measurable. Jesus' leadership is about heaven. Man's leadership is about earth. Jesus' leadership is about intimacy. Man's leadership is about influence. Jesus' leadership is about following Jesus. Man's leadership is about leading men. Jesus' leadership is one thing. Man's leadership is many things. So what I'd like to do is I'd like for us to take communion together as a church uh, here at the end. And, um, and we, are, we, are, we, we don't want you to leave yet because, you know, we, we do want to make a couple of announcements and receive an offering. But, um, but I want to, I'm going to invite the ushers to come down here. And what they're going to do is they're going to stand here along the aisles. And I'm going to ask all of you to come down and join me at the altar. And as you come down, I want you to get your communion. And we're going to make a fresh covenant of abiding in him down at this altar this morning. Amen.